0: Hey, what's up, guys? This is the WCBC podcast. I'm Hunter. I'm Alan. I'm Josh. And hey, we are here, and this is week whatever number it is. I literally, I keep forgetting. Uh, people remind, like literally, people have talked to me, like you know, it's like week ten, week nine. I'm like, really? <laughs> is it like it's starting <laughs> to run together? But hey, here we are, uh, guys. How y'all doing?
1: Doing well. Oh, well. Doing well. Yeah, still getting the feedback too from new listeners and first time. Uh, uh, guys that have tuned into the podcast for the first time got one this week it's encouraging uh, so uh, keep uh, spreading the word tell your friends about the podcast hopefully uh, they can uh, get some spiritual help or some enlightenment that could help them become better christians
0: absolutely and you know we we've been talking about it we promoted it on the church facebook actually today we talked about it sunday night um, we're wanting some questions. I mean, if you, not for the sense of we want to make ourselves look smart. No, we just want to help people. Yeah. Um, and we want you all to be a part of this. So in the sense of people sending in questions, we want you all to be a part of this. And so you can send any biblical question you have, Question about life, questions about God, selected scriptures, uh, spiritual gifts, whatever. If you have a question that you've always been wanting to hear a biblical answer, send that in to us. Media at watson'schapelnet is our email but then on Facebook you can look up Watson's Chapel Baptist Church and you can message um, our church Facebook page um, I help monitor those and I will take it out and I'll send it to the guys. and um, we've been able to kind of promote this we're hoping we'll be able to start knocking some of these questions out uh, we have a couple already we're hoping more people get engaged in this um, so yeah, keep spreading the word. send in your questions. Um, so uh, uh, that's uh, that's the whole yeah. goal
1: for the podcast, anyway. It's not to uh, have you guys tune in and listen to us talk about our feelings or or you know, make us look like we're intelligent or oh, we're, I'm not. And that's, and that's yeah. that, that <laughs> we we've talked about this before, guys, and, and, and amongst ourselves. And there's a lot of talk that goes on off the air. But uh, one thing that we want everyone listening to understand about us we hope that we don't come across as arrogant know-it-alls because we're not. And and we want you guys to understand that uh, uh, God's Word is empowering. It gives confidence. It helps in time of need. It's always applicable no matter where you're at or what's going on in your life. The answers can be found in God's Word.
0: Yeah, And I mean, if we can, I mean, think about this. Like, the Holy Spirit has a responsibility of illumination, so bringing things to light. So for the Christian, it's Literally like talking about we were talking about Hebrews six before we started. 'cause we're it's, empa- about,
1: it's empowering.
0: Yes. It's, it's like we've all mean Josh, a lot of us, we read text, like we were talking about Hebrews six, like four and six. When you read stuff, sometimes it's like, Oh my goodness, what is it but then you pray over it and you spend time in it, and then one day it's like a light bulb goes off. So, you know, if God can if we can just be a part of helping some light come on and, you know, the noggin where you're like, Ah, okay but here's the thing, too. Any answer we ever give, it's not on our own word. We're, I mean, we want to give you scripture that you can go study for yourself. Um, like absolutely. we, we will discuss yes. it. We will try to answer it. But every scripture that we're going to talk about, we want you to go read it yourself, so you won't believe it just because we told you, um, but because that's what God's word says. Now, obviously, we have tools, we have resources, um, an experience of being able to break text down further than just you know reading, you know. Like, blessed are those who mourn. You know, When sometimes someone might read that and be like, what does that even mean? So, yes, and we're not the only ones that have the gifts and the resources to break these te- But that's something we want to utilize, right? A measure given, measure required, and God has given us gifts to, you know, really look at a scripture and be like, man, oh, let's dig into this. Let's look at the meat of it. And uh, all three of us, you know, we do teach here. um, Alan's a head deacon. He has a Sunday school class. Josh teaches. He preaches here. Then I work with the youth and preach here as well. Um, and, and it's not even about the positions. It's just that we we have a gift and we have a desire to expound on the Word of God in such a manner that we can. We want people to join us in understanding it. And so um, we want to be able to help you all. Um, so, like I said, send your questions in. So, guys, here we go. Uh, so, Tyler... Oh, I just gave it away. Ty, our worship leader, was supposed <laughs> to join us this week, but his Tuesdays got a little, we got a little mixed up. It was it was on me, not really clip So that's on me, everybody, but there's a surprise. So he's going to be here with us next Tuesday. Uh, we talked about it last night, and I was a little more clear this time. So he, he has it on his phone. So we're going to talk about worship next week, and we're super excited for Ty to come in here and talk a little bit about, you know, how he ended up being a worship leader. But let's talk, we'll talk about what worship is how we should worship biblically um and then we're going to talk about how worship is used in a bad way cuz people use it almost mm. like a brainwashing yep. and we see that so we're super excited about that and so you know with that being in mind you know we were thinking you know well and praying lord what should we do tonight so we're going to kind of continue on the Sermon on the Mount. There's uh, a whole
1: lot left there, ain't there, in the Sermon on the Mount yes. that we've not even touched yes. yet. Oh, there's yeah. so much. There's yeah. so much.
0: And what we're going to talk about tonight is literally Matthew 5, 13 through 16. And, guys, uh, this is this is going to be walking through deep water um, because, a, as I expressed to Alan and Josh, is, I've read this text a lot and think, thought about, oh, you know, Christians, we're the salt, we're the light. Oh, cool. But after studying it today— And like really questioning myself within what does this text mean? What is Jesus trying to say? Um, I chased rabbits. I was thinking of other scriptures. I looked all over the place. And I'm telling you, I experienced some illumination today, man. I mean, my eyes were just open to the depth that this text and this saying of Christ is actually going towards. And so with that being said, you know, we came in and see, we usually start about five recording this. Yeah, it's uh, currently, it's almost six. <laughs> so we've already spent a good 50 minutes, like, talking about this text and talking about biblical things. And so then we kind of just looked at each other and like, well, let's just, you know, let's press record and just kind of keep, keep going. Yeah. yeah, so
1: so we've talked about what uh, what passage of Scripture we're going to read. So I think we've got it cut down to just a few verses. We're going to read, what, 13 through 16? Yep. Okay go.
0: Well, well I, let, let's just read thir- thirteen because we're gonna be there for a good minute. Uh, may we may even be in there the whole time. I don't know. We'll we
1: may see. want to read thirteen through sixteen just up front for <laughs> people. Like
0: he, so. Here, my my papa, my great grandpa J D was a. I mean, he was a preacher, a powerful preacher. Um, But I always was told this story about one time him and my Papa Ronnie were in a revival together, and Ronnie shows up, and it's his night to preach, and he doesn't have anything. And so he's like, he looks at my great-grandpa J.D., and he's like, J.D., you know, it's you. J.D. gets up and reads one text and preaches a 45-minute sermon on one (laughs) verse. But here's the thing. The next five nights, Ronnie still didn't get anything. JD preached on that same text every night from a different angle, and they said it was the most powerful revival. And so, if some of you are thinking it takes you an hour to talk about one verse, absolutely, sometimes yeah, yeah. it does <laughs> because we don't want to miss out on the gold nuggets, right? Yeah, when it yeah. talked about like wisdom being in a field, you know, yeah. a treasure being it, we're going to look through the treasure, we're going to look through the field to find the treasure. And so, if we only make it through You know, three, we might be in these four words. I I don't know. So I'm going to read the verse and uh, we'll start our discussion. So this is Jesus uh, following up the Beatitudes and, you know, he's still talking to the believers. And he says this, you are the salt of the earth. And this is my ESV Bible. I left my other one in the office, but it says you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So, guys, let's literally start with the beginning of this, when Jesus says, "You are the salt of the earth." How how are we going to break this down? I mean, what com- what is Jesus saying right here? So
1: let's take a let's take a drone view. Let's back up and take a really broad shotgun look at the at the at the scripture that we just read because salt it, it's it's functional. It's got it's got it's got some Practical purposes and uses. So uh, if you look at salt as far as a taste a, or a, a something that you consume in your diet, it, it has a, a unique byproduct. It produces thirst. You eat something salty, get ham meat, mm, yes. up all night drinking water, <laughs> <laughs> thirsty in the middle of that. I can't you, breathe. You know. Yeah, tongue stuck to the roof in my mouth. <laughs> You you crave water, yeah. right? So as 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 we look as, as us being the salt of the earth, we should have a natural natural byproduct about us that makes others want what we have, makes them thirsty, yeah. gives that desire, that longing. Uh, it's also a preservative; it, it, it holds the uh, the the life of uh, uh, a particular well. I can't get ham out of my head for some reason. I guess it's because I'm from Telco. Mm. And I've been raised on ham meat. Ham's meat. good. Yeah, yeah. I love you, ham. You salt that stuff down, pack it in salt, and it cures that ham, and it also just gives it that flavor. Mm. So it's a, it's also a preservative. Not only does it add good flavor, but it preserves. So uh, part of our responsibility is to be that saltiness that – does, draws people to a thirst for what we've got, yeah, and also that preservative that holds things together. And if if our society needs some glue right now, I think it's pretty obvious that now, as much as ever, the church has a responsibility to be that glue to be that. That <laughs> to
0: be know. that salt block that the cows just yeah. run to,
1: yeah, <laughs> and it draws them to a point where we they see something in us that yeah. you know we're not hysterical, no. we're not you know running around vandalizing and looting and, yep. and burning cars and, and shooting each other, we've not lost all sense of control, we understand who's in control, yeah, yeah. And, and and the fact that we need to be that stabilizing factor. Is what God's called us to be—that salt and that, that stabilizing factor. Yep. And if we've lost that, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. If if we're if we're not doing that, what good are we?
2: Mm. But that's a. So you made up two points, and while you're talking about that, it's like. So you said one, we are thirsty, and the other it preserves us. But that's it's that thirst that we have is in Christ. Yeah. And that preservation. The water so, is So, yes, it's, yes. And I mean, it's like, and the preservation is also as well as in yeah. Christ. You know, so that's one, it brought up in a thought of mine that I had today that when I was talking to somebody. and um, And that's one of the questions that he proposed to me. You know, he's like, well, why ain't you fearful of what's going on? And that is because... Of Christ, right? Because we have that, and that's the time that we, you know. So I had a chance with him to witness to him and show him and talk to him about Christ.
1: What did the woman at the well say? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Jesus is there. And she's like, "Hey, give me a drink of water." Yes, and, and she it, said, "Why are you asking me? I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking right. me to get you water for?" Yeah. And he said, he said well, if you know who I am, that's the water you'd be asking life. you'd be asking water from me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and the water that I give you would you, be a well of water that springs yes. up and and, and and well, I tell you what, there's a world, a society, there's a, a a whole uh, you know people that are desperate for something, that void that needs to be filled, and it's can be filled through Jesus Christ.
0: Absolutely. So I was looking at something. Um, you know, when I when I think about you like this phrase of you are the salt. Well ultimately if we're salt, that means God's the salt supplier, but he literally says you are the salt of the earth. Okay, so you, Alan's already said, you know, salt brings and draws people close. He also references this as a fragrance to the earth. But, you know, when you look at the transition that's about to occur, and I'm moving along just a little bit. When he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste. Okay. So, I want you to think about it in, in this sense. Now, the Bible teaches us that when we have been reborn we've been born again regenerated we've been saved because of jesus christ okay we have been sealed right it says that jesus will never go back to the cross and die again once he died unto sin once once and for all okay so when you are a christian you are the salt but if salt has lost its taste so it's almost like in the midst of this verse i'm imagine jesus is is pe- speaking to the people right the disciples are there so ultimately we have all the disciples even judas you know the one who's going to betray him okay but then when you think about it in the sense of luke tells us that the crowd is still around so anytime someone speaks to people right we as normal people we have no clue who is truly salt and who's not right now jesus does But there's this truth, a timeless truth, that there is a straight and narrow path that few will decide to take. So if there's a congregation of people, when Jesus starts talking about, I'm the bread, unless you eat of my flesh and drink, some of them said, this is a hard saying. That's a hard
1: saying, yeah. And
0: they, they left. Okay, when you look at the disciples, Judas would leave Jesus. So it seems like there's this trend that among people, there are those who walk away. So when he says, you are the salt, so if you are truly a born-again Christian, you are the salt. But what about the ones within the group that say, well, I'm salt, but then what is the verse tells us? But if salt has lost its taste. So how could salt, right, how could a Christian, how could a person lose that taste. Ha- what could happen? Because so we've I'm, got to really define this because right. is he speaking of just believers here who lose faith or is he talking about people
1: who depart? And I think this is probably where we're going to sit down and camp for a little while yes. And, yes. and drive the Absolutely. stakes in because if, we, if you run ahead just a little bit, now again, not trying to get too far ahead, but it says that light that's, you know, that city that's set up on a hill, you got the light that can't be hid that gives up. So this scripture is for... The Bible talks about every man seek out his own salvation with fear and trembling. Yep. And, and this is a resource for us not to be uh, the reaper that is examining the wheat and the tares and separating the two. Because that's that's not our job. And that's right. not what we want to use the scripture to do. But we want you to understand that there is some examination that I can do in my life to see if my faith has substance or not. There's an evaluation process that I can do to see if my faith is real. Well, what is that, Alan? Well, I'm glad you asked, Alan. If you go back to the Scripture that we've been talking about, the Beatitudes, blessed are, these characteristics yeah. are in my life, and these things, That's the natural byproduct of that is going to make you salty. The natural byproduct of that is my life will produce light. It's not going to be something I have to try to do. Yeah. It's going to be a natural byproduct of Me exhibiting the attributes of Christ.
0: Yes. And you know, I was even thinking like this self examination takes place in the Beatitudes as well because as a Christian, we have to read this and reflect Am I portraying these things? You know, uh, am I willing to admit that I'm poor in spirit? Right? Am I, um, do I mourn? Do I care? Um, Do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? Am I merciful? Am I pure in heart? Am I a peacemaker? So, you know, this is for the Christian. So reading these, I should be able to read these and see how these are playing out in my life naturally because I'm the byproduct of Christ.
1: And they're not for me to look at Hunter and say, well, Hunter's missing this and he's missing this. Hunter must... No, 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 no. It's for me to look in the Scripture and examine my own spiritual condition.
0: Yes, but a person who is not a believer might look at this and be like, Why would I want to do any of that? Okay, so there's a self-examination that can be taken place. I mean, you could really apply that in a lot of places in Scripture of reading it and letting it soak in, whether that's you or not. Now, obviously, we know in the Sermon on the Mount, we're being taught many things. But within, like I said earlier, whether it's the group of the people or the disciples, I mean, someone left. Someone walked away. Now, we know as true Christians you know, we might slack, we might fall short. We may not be betraying, portraying, not betraying ourselves rightfully all the time. We're going to fall short of the glory of God. I mean, literally when Romans, when Paul is quoting and he says, you know, none is good, no, not one. That goes for all people. But even when you're saved, that still doesn't make you good, right? Because when God looks at me, he doesn't look at my good deeds. He looks at, Christ right. and Christ's good deeds. So, when we look at being a Christian, we are, you are the salt. He doesn't say any. He doesn't say it any other way. He says you are the salt. So, as a Christian, even though you may fall short, you are the salt, and you're supposed to portray yourself as the salt every day of your life. Will you be a hundred percent successful? No. But if salt has lost its taste. Okay, so that's on. We need to talk about that, like I said earlier. And we, this is a self examination. I'm not pointing fingers at how you live your life. Ultimately, if the shoe fits where it, if right. God convicts you through this, then I pray that that happens because there's a lot of truth in this right here.
1: A bunch. And when you look at the, the scripture and just kind of realistically examine why would a man light a candle, and then cap a bushel down over top of it. Yeah. Makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Makes no sense. The candle's not doing what it's designed to do, Mm. which is give light and let you see obstacles and, and things in your way. So when we look at the Scripture and when we see the purpose of salt, it's to add flavor and to preserve and to do its functions. If it loses that ability hmm, did you even have it to start with?
0: And that's how we're transitioning into this. Did you have it to start with? And you're like, maybe you're listening to this and you're like, man, I've never heard it like this. I didn't either until about two hours ago when I read this and (laughs) dug into it deeply. Because when it comes, I want to say this because, one, this is, it's almost like a pet peeve of mine. I never, listen, there are times when I do get things out of context, right? Because I'm a human being and I'm going to miss some things. I mean, one time, you know, the scripture, Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, right? I came to fulfill it. One time I it said, Jesus came to abolish the law in a small group, and somebody goes, no, he didn't. And I was like, I'm wrong. So I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong. But a pet peeve of mine, and this is for myself, just as it would be for, is when we look at a text and we just say, we we literally, what's the word I'm looking for? We become sim- simplicity in it. We mm. become okay with, oh, well, we're salt, and then we move on. I did that. So when I say this is a pet peeve, I, I'm in this too. But if you've never heard it like this, there's something that we learn about studying the Bible. You can research this. You can be taught this. When you look at verse-by-verse verse expository teaching, studying, hermeneutics is how we study the words of the Bible and look at the original meaning, but, see, like, here's an example. I couldn't just take this one text and just preach on, you know, you're the salt, and that's my main thing. I If I did that, I would be taking this whole thing out of context almost, right. because there's a whole other part of the verse. So when you study the Bible, right, earlier I said, you know, my papa J.D. preached on one verse. But for him to preach on that one verse, I guarantee you, he studied that whole chapter, that one verse might have been where he set up camp and talked about the whole chapter. There's sometimes when, you know, preachers, if they study to show themselves approved, I mean, our pastor, sometimes he might read a verse and then he looks at us and quotes the rest of it because he studied and he's put in the time and it's written on his heart. So, but when you look at this verse, we can't just settle with we're the salt. Now we are the salt and that's so encouraging and that's so awesome, but we need to study the whole text within itself because... If we just stop with the first sentence, we're not going to learn everything that Jesus is trying to teach. Because as Alan said, have you did you have it in the first place? He's setting up two different sides of the fence. Are you salt or are you not salt and you never had the taste? And so when I say it's a pet peeve, I'm just saying this. I want to encourage you all, study everything. Read the whole chapter. If it's a, you know, when your Bible has it broken up into four verses, read all four verses and think, now what does all of this mean? What is all this Example, a reference text for this, and Josh, I want you to start this out because we've talked about it. I'm like, I'm setting you up for an alley-oop. Alan just did this. <laughs> okay, a reference text for this is Hebrews chapter 6, like verses 4 through 6. Okay, this is a complicated text that a lot of people debate over because some people will take it and teach that you can lose your salvation while we're on the other side and we're saying, no, it do- that is unbiblical to even say a sentence like that. So Josh, when we look at this text and we've read it and we look at Hebrews 6, which is super, it can be confusing Josh, how can we use Hebrews 6, those verses, to help us understand this? Start us off. So the Hebrews 6 one, um, a a couple weeks ago I was in study
2: of this. And so Hebrews 6, 4 says, For is it impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come? If they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to open shame. So when I was studying this, I read it like five times and then started to proceed to read it again like five times. And the one verse that stuck out to me was in uh, verse six, and it says, If they shall fall away. And I got hung up on that because I was like, what is the actual, what are we teaching? What is the teaching here? What do these verses have for us? And I, um, I prayed about it. I pondered over it. I reread it. And then I also reached out to some others and questioned on it. And I got an education of basically what 4, 5, and 6 is. And it was a hyperbole. And in the hyperbole, what that is, is a intentional exaggeration. So with him saying this, that if is, he's making a statement, if it was to happen, which it's not, is speaking in that hypothetical term, but it's an intentional hypothetical or intentional over-exaggeration that we would lose or we would fall away. It's not that we gain it and then lose it. It's that we would have never really have obtained it. So, and that's the thing with the ties back in with the kind of like with the salt. But it makes you, that, that self-reflection then also makes us look at ourself. And when we, you know, make proclamations of our, where we are with Christ, you know, that at that moment we can then self-evaluate ourselves. And it's, so with, with the whole thing, so with the being the salt and having the faith, where is our faith? Is it our faith is in Christ. So therefore, if we are a follower of Christ, when we do our self-evaluation, we are evaluating where our stance is in serving Christ and believing that He is everything for yeah. us. That he, our life decisions, our choices that we make, the way we represent ourselves, the way we interact with others is all because of fe- of Christ. So then if we become... Like I said, if we lost our savor or we lost that, it's not anything more than that self-reflection of to check, my, to check me, to say, you know, you are now feeding parts of you that you used to live in. You are now feeding. You are denying the truth in my self-reflection because I have well went on a stance that took me from, Dependence upon Christ to now I'm dependent upon myself again.
1: So, when we talk about the the, the broad way and, and the many there be that go therein, and the straight way and the narrow way, and the few there be that find it, the few that find it are going to take scriptures like this and they're going to analyze their decision making and their life and their behavior and their habits and the things that they habitually, repetitively live in and do. And it's not an accident. But it's a part of how they conduct themselves, and it's a part of what defines them. And in that case, we need to be really examining, am I in the broad way or am I in the straight and narrow way? Yes. Because there's only going to be a few that find that straight and narrow way. Yep. Am I following the crowd? Am I doing what everybody else is doing?
2: Yes, that's, that's the key right there. Am I following the crowd or doing whatever thing? We the, are to we look different. We are to be set apart from the world. We are not to look and partake of the same things that they, the lost are doing. Because the, the majority is going in the broad gate. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> And that's the that's the beauty of it is that, like, that self-evaluation, and, and granted, I, I know that it's hard, you know, because I do multiple self-evaluations. And when at times I don't want to address myself with this because when you come under conviction and you're sitting there looking at yourself in honesty— right. w- most of the time it's not a prideful or
1: proud moment of ours it is a shameful or absolutely and and i think that's what and I'm, I'm back up just a a, a second because I, I know that church we'll just say church in general has lost some of its appeal because too many people fail to do self-examination and they'd rather look at other people judging right and, exactly. I, and compare themselves i want to compare my life to Josh's life yeah. I want to compare what I'm doing to what Hunter's doing it, instead of comparing myself to the Word of God. Yeah. And then if I do that, I, I understand that, boy, I've got my hands full
2: right?
1: just keeping me in line with God's Word. The Bible talks about what are you, why are you looking at the speck in your brother's eye Yes, when you you've got, got a, in your own. a yeah. beam in your yeah, own, own right. eye? 20 times bigger. Well, that's the thing. So, then, so
2: going with all of this, what we've been talking on, so – with that faith and that self-examination of ourself, we are then in. It's a relationship with Christ that we have. So, with any relationship we have, you have a give and take. You know, so a husband and a wife, a father and a child, a, a mother and a child. There's always a give and take relationship. It's not always me, 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 but it's at times when. You are witnessing two people. They go, well, how can it be a relationship? So what does God give you? And at, I often chuckle at that question. And I says, it's not what God is going to give you. It's what God has already given you. Yes. He's given you all. Yeah. All. You know, he, he, he took on all the sin of the world, was crucified on a cross for all. They call upon His name. So we are never going to be in a give-and-take relationship because it's nothing of us, but it's of Christ. And if we truly living under that mentality that it is Christ and that self-evaluation of who we are, one, it keeps us humble because I know myself, if I don't keep myself under that self-evaluation and keep reverencing God for what He has done for me— I start to become a little prideful. Yeah, I come a little bit uh, more arrogant yeah. to where yeah. I can do this or I can, you know. And then that's where I, I quickly get put in check. And yeah. if I don't put myself into check, something will come
1: along to where I come, fall under a conviction if, that puts me in check. If, and If yeah. you're like me, you'll stub your toe and wind up on your face, <laughs> and you're thinking, man, what was I thinking? Yes, I should be back in under the reverential, uh, you know hand of god and, and let him direct my path and, and and keep my attitude in check instead of thinking that i have arrived or i have achieved some level of, of yes of of some type of success on my own ability yeah. and it's not anything that i've got to offer at all exactly it's all it's all what god gives me
0: and like i was which i didn't even read this earlier um because like I mean, I do read commentary and stuff, but I look for other verses to help me understand. But, like, one thing that—it talked about, like, Jewish people. Like, when you think about Hebrews, you know, it's it's talking about Jewish people. Mm -hmm. And and so, I mean, uh, Paul talked about people that would make professions. Jewish people who would say, I believe in Jesus, but then all of a sudden they would commit apostasy. So they would make a profession but never have true saving faith. So when you look at that in the context of, you know, this Hebrews 6— you know, my the first advice I ever got about this text was read backwards, you know, so when you look and it says, uh, the land is drunk, rain that often falls on it, produces crop useful to those for the sake, it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God, right? And then all of a sudden, but if it bears thorns, and it, uh, it is worthless, near, near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. So like, when you look at this analogy it's like we were talking about before you have two scenarios you have uh some rain right so the earth soaked it up and it produced good fruit okay and we that,
1: that rain fell on the just and the unjust absolutely
0: and you we hear a lot of uh, true bears free you know fig tree we have a lot of analogies of fruit you know what fruit do you bear do you you know if you have none you'll be cut up I uh what was it the vine dresser right mm-hmm. he said one more year you know please wait one more year Year came, and if it goes by and it doesn't, then I'll chop it off and all. So, I mean, that just shows us that God has long-suffering and patience that all would come into, yes. you know, that salvation. Um, it's even like I, I was reading in Timothy today. Like, um, I'm not going to remember specifically where. Oh, yeah, I am. It's right here. First Timothy 2. Um, you know, he's talking about instructions. We did that for prayer, right? But there's that section that says, this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, okay, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So God has a longing within him that all people will be redeemed. Biblical doctrinal statement, right? Not my own. It's from the Bible. So when you look at Hebrews 6, right, okay, there's no way someone can be saved and then lose it. Because there's so many scriptures. I was just reading in Ephesians again, talking about we are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit that is our inheritance, our down payment, right, mm-hmm. of what we're going to get. Okay. It has to be there. Jesus died unto sin once, right? No one can pluck us out of his hand. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Those are just different scriptures that talk about a one time being born again. Why else, thought, why else would Paul talk about some people dying early, right? So their souls would be saved. People who had fell into turmoil and sin so much that God decided that they would be taken out early so their soul could be saved. And some people might hear that and they're like, well, that's terrible. No, 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 That God cares in that moment, right? If someone's so wayward, there were some that, you know, Paul would just, they would be, tons of things would happen. But the moral of it is that, you know, God knew that they were his, even though they had fought. You know, Pastor Jason talked about it Sunday. That There are some that die early because of the decisions they made. You know, there's uh, Ananias and Sapphire. They lied, but they were there a part of the church, we uh, believe. And we know that they did an act of lying and all these things. But moral of it, we don't know if they were true believers or not. We just read of their mistake. And they were taken out. I, I I don't know, you know. I have my own interpretation of the scenario, but I'm not going to get into that. I want to stay in this. But when you look at Hebrews six, right? So it talks about the land that received it and produced fruit, and then some produced thorns. First thing that makes me think of is the sower seed. Mark four: seed goes out on all people, on all land. But how how do they receive the seed? Where, where does it fall? Is that person good soil, or are they focused on the world? Or, you know, did the sun come up? Did persecution arise and it burn it? Or, you know, did it fall on the wayside and the evil one robbed it from him? However, he may do it because everybody's different. So when you look at it, when it says like it is impossible, okay, for those who have tasted, right? To to be restored again in repentance, those who have been enlightened, they've tasted. Okay, right? Here we go. Tasted, what does it say? The heavenly gift. A Christian has tasted it, but what have they also done? They have realized what the bread of life is, and they have eaten it and digested in it. They've realized what uh, John 4, when he looked at the Samaritan woman, said, I will give you that water that will create a well. We have realized that. The believer has realized that Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the the thirst, uh, the drink that will quench our thirst forevermore. We didn't just taste it and leave it. We're still eating it, right? We we've it is sunk within us. That well is now in us. So it's talking about someone who's tasting it. They've maybe been enlightened. Maybe they've shared in it. Maybe they taste the goodness of the word uh, of the power uh, of all of these things. But then you have a scenario of two different people. So a lot of people have tasted it, right? The sower. And it fell in the good soil, the rain fell down and it soaked it up. Those are the people that have indulged and took in the opportunity that fell on all men rains on the just as Alan said and the unjust we have soaked it in. Now what does it say in that? Uh, it produced a crop useful for the sake, it is cultivated we've received the blessing of God, which is his son and the salvation. But then it says, but if it bears thorns. So what do thorns represent in Mark 4? Sin. Someone who has chosen sin and what the world has to offer more than the, what the good person with the good soil sees. And so when you look at this, when it says it's impossible, there are people out there that have tasted the salt. They have been around it, they saw Jesus, they did all these things, they saw the power, they were in the presence, they did all these things, and just like a lot of the Jews, they make a profession, right? We see it in this day and time. That's why when it talks about a falling away, people who commit apostasy and leave the church completely that used to be Christians, they were never Christians. For one to fully fall away and commit apostasy means that they never had it. So that's why he's saying it's impossible, right? And you're like, what do you mean all things are possible with God? It is. God can do whatever he wants, but Jesus told us there was an unforgivable sin. If you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Now, what does God use his Holy Spirit to do? Draw people to Jesus Christ. So for someone to commit full apostasy means that they have committed that unforgivable sin of blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. They have completely turned away. Now they're at the point where they might be be turned over to a debased mind because they have found it in their heart to say that there is no God. So this doesn't teach us that we can lose salvation. This is talking about people that have tasted and they have been introduced to the sweetness of God, which is Jesus Christ, His Son, and they have turned away from it. And therefore, it has produced thorns and it is a, it's worthless. It's near to being cursed and its end is to burn up. So Joshua, I mean, you set it up right there, and I, I just I wanted to talk about it too because I, it's one of the things that as a, when you finally understand something in the Bible, you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to tell somebody what I just learned because it's amazing. So now, when you think of uh, the context of Matthew five, right? So now it's talking about salt that's lost its. Taste. You guys
1: can't see this, but Hunter's slinging the papers everywhere.
0: Well, the only other the only other thing I had was Second Peter.
1: It's on the floor. Second <laughs> <laughs> 2, 2 Peter 2.20
0: and 21 talks about false teachers who, yeah, they took advantage of this gospel thing, and then they their lives are going to end worse than when they first started. Exactly. It would have been better off yeah, if they never. Ever. So when you look at Matthew 5 now, okay, so the Christian is the salt. Now,
1: men, so I, 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 go I ahead. just want to make a statement, and we, we we can go whichever way you want to with this statement that I'm about to make. But w- when we understand God's word, and we understand the clear direction that's in it, and we understand that if you tiptoe and play games with God, <laughs> and play church a- a- and go through the motions your entire life, when it comes down to the end, you're not going to have me to blame. You're not going to have a preacher to blame. You're not going to have anybody to blame. Amen. Y- you're going to know that the scripture that Hunter just quoted, where it's going to be bad, it's going to be worse, mm-hmm. it's going to be horrible.
0: False teachers and unbelievers. Yeah. Yes. yes.
1: It, so if there's ever been a time when this podcast needs to be adhered to, and I know the folks that are probably listening to this podcast are good people. They're right. church people. Why else <laughs> would you search the Internet for a, a biblical podcast? You know, right. there's, a, there's a hunger there. But here's what I want you to understand. It is paramount that we as God's people, the salt of the earth, be salty. It is paramount that we as God people be a light, a source of hope, that folks can find answers to questions because uh, the time that the reckoning is its drawing nigh. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, it's Luke's version of this. He ends it with have salt and be at peace with one another.
1: So the chaos that's going on right now, in, in, in not just in America, but in the entire world, and you can see where folks are are looking at America and what's going on in in, in our major cities uh, today. And they're saying, you know, well, we blame America for the rights that are going on in our nation We're, because look how they're acting. Well, here's the deal. If everybody's looking to us, if everybody's looking to America, America should be looking to the church. And the church should be that example. That's cohesive that's that's brings peace and and that that, that and brings when, that stability
0: and when Alan says the church um I'll say this real quick and then Joshua's scripture service he's, he's so flipping he's, like crazy. he's got something <laughs> he's got it when when <laughs> A, when Alan says the church we're not talking about the building no no, no The no, church no, no. Yes. is the body, body of Christ, of Christ. Yes. so here's an example right so i I subscribe to Christian broadcast news and news is news yeah you, you hope it's true sometimes it's not. But uh, Christian Broadcast News has been reporting the revivals that have been taking place amidst all this junk that's going on. And I got an email today, September 1st, two thousand. a new Jesus People movement in America. Revival in New Jersey, New York City, and Boston as a move of God hits East Coast. It says, huge gatherings of people stepped into the light of salvation as a move of God swept parts of nor- Northeastern U.S. last weekend. It's not just there. It's happened in the West Coast. It's happened up North. It's people literally hitting the streets where riots are and just sharing the gospel. And all of a sudden, when it says that the spirit is as into the wind, where it goes, we don't, so is everyone born of the spirit. Listen, I, I, I don't know how these people view spiritual gifts. I don't know if they believe, you know, um, what their view is on baptism. I just know this. That the word of God will never return void, and so these revivals that are breaking out right now is that there are people out there preaching and
1: sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. What makes a person do that? What makes a person, in a time of chaos, understand there's a need there that's not going to be met? They're looking at by the, the salt election. Yeah, the, the, the election's not going to solve the problem. No, no. These people that
0: are getting saved in streets where riots are taking place, it's because people are realizing I'm the salt. Now, a lot of these are worship leaders and street evangelists and pr- that are called to the specific ministry. I, so much credit to people who do street them. ministry. Yeah. Apologetics, them, yeah. listen, I, I love that stuff, but I know um, a gift of mine is with teenagers. You know, I, if God ever called me to go stand on the street corner, then I, I'm going to be as beating as I can. So
1: let, let's talk about this then. When it talks about acts of kindness and service and and being a light and being a salt and the beatitudes and the, the, the attributes that were explained in that scripture that we just yeah. talked about in the last couple of episodes, you don't have to be a world beater. You don't have to be a powerhouse Christian. Yeah, You don't have to be a know-it-all scholar in biblical knowledge. The Bible talks about giving a, a cold drink of water Yes. in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, anything that you do and, and, and do it as unto the Lord and do it with that meek-spirited and putting a person that you're doing it for, esteeming them higher than yourself, man, you're being like Christ then. Yeah. yeah, and, and you're going to have an impact on so folks' it's lives. It's words of hope. It's that. Yeah. It's
2: that kind word. It's that you know that moment of prayer to us with a stranger. Yes, you know it's that witness of Christ. You know that's what. That's all it is. Yeah, you know, but. Th- so here we are in this, you know, in 2020, and we have to overcomplicate everything because it's not—it can't be that easy, you know. It cannot be so easy that you <laughs> that know so you true. have faith, you believe in Christ, and you share the love of Christ with others. I mean, there it's, 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 it's got to be more to it. There's got to be more. Absolutely, <laughs> you know, there's there's that is not that easy.
1: It still works. Yeah, it, it yes. still works. Since man. the
2: very beginning, it has worked,
1: and it will continue to work. You find somebody in th- and sincerely walk up to them. Socially maintaining six feet of distance <laughs> and say, man, this is something I can pray for you about. Tell right. me about your spiritual yes. life. What's going on? What's God doing in your life? Tell me about if it's there, if they're a believer, if it's that lukewarmness. We talked yes, about that a did. little bit. We may get back into that in just a second. That condition of, yeah, I'm saved, but boy, I'm not happy. A lukewarm Christian not going to be happy. Right. If you're a child of God. Yeah. And You're not in a position, you're of gonna be submiss- most miserable because, yeah.
2: y- yes, I mean, you're 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 out of the will of God. You can't I mean, enjoy
1: that, yes,
0: no. you can't. No, you can't. En- I've been there, done that, it's yeah, terrible, it's, it, it's, it's awful. And and like, you know, when we were saying, like, look at the church, and I, when I was talking about these revivals and stuff, it's literally places where they're like, you can't have church in your building, and they're like, okay. Like in California, there was a worship leader that they were like, y'all can't have church or sing inside. And he said, okay. And so their whole church went to the beach. Thousands of Christians showed up and and literally like a revival took place. That was a congregation. Earlier when I was saying like people that are street preachers and ministry, these are full-time paid people that literally that's their job is to travel and walk the streets. That's what I was saying. Uh, we do we minister within the people we see here in Madisonville where we're called to be so that wasn't like a, a, a cliche or an excuse I was talking about full-time people but like it let's say the governor here something happens and they're like y'all can't have church inside what did we do we went outside we didn't say yeah. we got the cars out and every, and if that happens again well that's okay I, I know some places where there's some land where we park buses and we do stuff We'll just have church outside. And when hundreds of, I'm telling you this, if something happened where they told Matt, our area, listen, I, I've been, I've preached at other churches, and I know a lot of people so far in this county in the last couple of years I've been here. If they were to say, y'all can't have church inside, I know of hundreds of believers in this area that they'll go, if someone were to put something on outside, they'll be there. Because it's not about this building. When we say that we're the salt and people need to see the church, we're talking about the body of Christ. Whether it's in New York, Boston, California's Beach, or right here in Madisonville, Tennessee, where we still have the ability to come in our church, it's the people.
1: Absolutely. And when we talk about the body of Christ and the the, the, the organism that as it works together, it's a living, yes. breathing uh, 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 organism that... Has a purpose. Yes, all things and it's common, and everybody's got their same mindset where yes. they're all moving for a common goal. Uh, there's no division. Uh, man, alive, what a place to be, and what a, what, a, yeah. what a, 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 a a culture to promote.
0: And it's like when Alan talked about, you know, we're one organism. When the I mean, it says, you know the hand hurts we all hurt the foot hurt i mean the body is affected if my leg were to break my whole body so that's why when john Macarthur and them are getting persecuted and they go to the courts and they won their legal battle by the way praise god we live in tennessee i've never met john MacArthur in my whole life but us as a body of christ did we all not talk about it about how they're under persecution and it's not fair what's going on did we not pray for them why because that side of the country where the, that side of the body of Christ was, is it was hurting. So, of course, we're over here on the other side where it's safe for now. We can still go in our churches and do things. But we hurt for them, yep. right? Yep. And it's just like, it's something more to happen here, right? Pastors from the other side of the country would reach out and try to... Because we are one organism. We are one body of Christ. And if you're listening to this and you're not a believer, listen, this ain't no cult talk. We, this isn't... This is literally the body of Jesus Christ, who all things were made through and for, who was in the beginning, God in flesh. Literally the representation of God as the Son of God. This ain't no cult talk, you know. Don't don't come at me like that, like, y'all are crazy. One organism, what do you mean? I mean, literally, <laughs> I love my brothers and sisters in the West Coast as much as I love my brothers and sisters here in Madisonville. That's why, as a Christian, I can meet a random Christian. I remember one time I was in the airport heading to Colorado, and I met this guy, and he was a Christian, and we became best friends for 10 minutes, right? I've never seen him again. But that's because we have the same salt within us. Heirs,
1: heirs and join heirs.
0: Yes, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Josh, you got your scripture sur- surfing a second ago. Well, so one of the things
2: that go to the whole salt thing that, and it, it, it's been on my mind for the last couple of weeks, I, is, is Saul, who we know as Paul. Yeah. And with the first interaction with him, you know, he, he comes and it says, you know, it says in uh, uh, Acts 9, uh, verse 4, and it says, "It fell to the earth and heard the voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecuteth thou me? But one thing that I always... Loved about this and then and more so in afterwards is it it says that in, in verse six there it says and he trembled and astonished and said, Lord. So immediately he gave that acknowledgement yeah. to Christ. But then as we continue to read in the New Testament and all of the books that Paul wrote, how he refers to himself, servant, yep. slave, prisoner. Of what? Of Christ. Yeah. And that's, you know, so some people will look at that and they'll be like, well, yeah, but that's the Apostle Paul. But no, it's every Christian. We all equally, whether your calling is great or small, whatever it is, we all have that same thing. We all have that same glory that's in Christ.
1: Yep, the least among you will be first. And that's when you talk about Mm. just... You know, and I'm glad that some folks do get to preach in uh, evangelistic, uh, you know, uh, platform and get to see lots of folks that come to Christ. And I'm glad that there are folks that are obedient to preaching in the streets and they go out and there's large moves uh, of God. But it's just as important to understand that God's got a responsibility for me. And it's just as important for me to understand that there's a providential, yeah, yes, in, you know, encounter with somebody whether it's an airport or whether it's uh, uh, you know on the workplace or whether it's at the uh, grocery store yep. or whether it's at the ball field, to where I need to be prepared in, yeah. a, in, in a in a in a ten second window of opportunity, right. to share the gospel of Christ. And it may not be a message; it may not mean me. Uh, breaking down, quoting exact verbatim text. It might text be the testimony. Yes, could, exactly. It could be anything. But our responsibility, is, if we take it ready. seriously, is to be ready, be ready. prepared, and be listening to the Holy Spirit. Always be, ob- be
0: ready to give a defense.
1: And be yeah. obedient to yeah. the Holy Spirit. That's well, and
2: so you made an interesting point, though, and that, that and it made me think of no matter what our calling is, right, yeah, just you know, to be ready. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And yeah. it, but, I mean, so here's a here's a poor sports analogy, you know, so everybody thinks so you think of the team, you got the head coach, you got the star quarterback star running back, you know, and then you have the stadium and the fans. What if there was nobody there at the end of the game to clean up the mess a, if nobody was called you know to call to be the janitor to come in in silence and clean up after the whole crowd is how many how effect or how Presentable? Would that place be? Yeah, you know, to where you would want to go, and still, but everybody has that idea and that thought process. Like, I have to be something of greatness. Well, you don't. I mean, it's the greatest work is just that five-minute conversation, yeah, like you yeah. said.
1: They, and we're, we're we're so human, and we're so worldly, and we're so fleshly because we have this robe of flesh that we battle every day. We're, we're results-driven. We yeah. want to see yep. instant, uh, yeah, instant, instant gratification. Uh, here we go. If we go out and we do do. Uh, 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 encounter providentially arranged by God and here's this person and the Holy Spirit prompts me and I know it's God and I do uh, uh, whatever out of obedience whether it's a testimony whether it's a how you doing, whatever and I don't instantly see that person fall under conviction and fall on their knees and accept Christ as their Savior I'm devastated I'm a failure I didn't see what I expected to see no you're not no you're not not. we we get too hung up on seeing results don't worry about the results it's not not mine Yes, to produce results. They right? won't. it's the Holy Spirit and it, God's job to give the uh, some water, some you know, some yes, plant, yeah. some water. Well, God uh, gives God, the increase. God gives the increase. Well, That's and right. even
0: with your analogy, literally when you said, I was thinking about you know, you got the quarterback, you got the receivers, you got all these people, and I'm like, if someone were to say, "What role are you?" I would say, "Well, I'm the management guy," and they'd be like, "What? Do you bring waters?" Do you get everything ready and prepared? Yes, I do. Cuz every Wednesday night I come here and I have an hour to present scriptures to students so they go out and they're prepared. That's what I'd say. I I want we should strive to be that least. That's what I'm saying is this. Is the pastor, you know, uh he's not always the quarterback. Yeah. He's the caretaker. He's the one that's making sure the equipment all of the things are taken care of yeah. for, so when the people come in or when they go out, they're ready. And when it talks about, you know, Paul would say, talk about the edifying of the church, the uplifting of the church. Literally, the pastor is here every day of the week sometimes. Sometimes he gets off days. Sometimes he needs off days. Yeah. But every Sunday, every Wednesday night, throughout the week, studying his heart out Why? Because everybody's going to come in Sunday, and And then they're going to leave. Just like the team goes in the locker room, and they come back out. Your pastor's there.
1: Yeah, and I hope I'm not robbing him of a blessing by letting the cat out of the bag on this. But he's here. I see him many times with the fogger, and he's decontaminating or or, or sanitizing the pews, Mm -hmm. and he's wiping down the water fountain and going in the restrooms and making sure our facilities are clean and sterile and, and, and ready for the next meeting. Uh, these are things that, that that folks don't see, you know. And, and, and brother Jarb would come in early and go to the altar, and he would, you know, turn lights on, straight yeah. to the altar, and he would pray, pray for the service, pray for our pastor, pray for our teachers. Those are things that most of the congregation never even knew no. transpired. You're people
0: that are called to serve the church. They're called to be the caretakers. They're going to do it. And they're going to do it. And it's like this to kind of bring it back in because we're out of time here soon. Um, I knew we'd only get through one verse. Um, (laughs) Whether it's the quarterback, I mean, the evangelist, the missionary, the people that go out, or the pastor who stays at the home place and just helps people learn and be discipled, you know what it is? Whatever they're called to do, they've realized that they are the true salt. They have it. They're the true light. They fully have Christ within them, and they're called. If it's the janitor, the worship leader, the Sunday school teacher, any position you can think about, or any player, any position, the coach, whatever, they all have a responsibility to realize that they are the salt. Yeah. And because they are the salt, now they're like, I want others to come get a taste. Yeah. And so whatever you're called to do, the missionary— The i mean there's tent revivals going on all right now all around us in in madisonville the evangelist the pastor right now that's having to worry about his congregation and covid and all you've realized that you're the salt you've realized what you've been called to do and now where you have been called you now have a responsibility to promote the salt that we have within and And rejoice
1: in that position yeah and they know there's a need and they're happy about it yeah and here's the thing don't don't let the soul-sucking media rob you of your joy, because here's the deal. Uh, you can sit down, and in just a little while, you'll be depressed.
2: If oh, you, yeah. If yeah. you watch one, it, one, <laughs> one segment, and you're done.
1: <laughs> if you watch very much of it before long, you're like, man, alive, what's the point? Yeah. But here's the deal. They're not telling about the things that are going on in the move of God. They're not telling about the things that's going on in the local body. Nope. They're right. not telling about the people that uh, that are seeing lives changed the miracles that are happening, and it's still going on.
0: It's Mars Hill in Acts 17. Yeah. Literally, that is what America is right now. All these people are showing up with new philosophies. They're talking all this junk, talking all this new ideas, and there's a bunch of Pauls right now coming up before him saying, hey, let me tell you about the (laughs) unknown God. You don't know, but guess what? Paul Paul leaves, and a few of them believe, and then the rest of them just stay on Mars Hill and talk a bunch of junk until they died in unbelief. Yeah, And that's just what's going on. Um, So guys, we're the salt. So embrace that, um, live in that, but self-examine yourself because, you know, the rest of this verse says if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown and be trampled under people's feet. And with the context of Hebrews 6, we can now see that this is self-examination, whether you have true salt or not, because for something, for a person to truly lose the salt, truly, that means they've been exposed to it and eventually they've turned from it. And you're like, well, how do you know that? Because of the context of the rest of the verse, right? If there's A Christian can't lose their salt to the point where they're no longer good for anything except to be thrown and just trampled under people's feet. Once we're salt, once we're sealed, we have that within us. We will fail. But Hebrews 6 is a reference text to this, and it teaches us that some will hear it, some will taste it, and they will absolutely reject it, and they will never want the true salt. They might make a profession, but when the sun comes up or the thorns start to choke them, they've made their decision. They have
1: a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof.
0: Absolutely. So... Um, Guys, we're we're running out of time, so uh, this is what we had this week, and and if I had any final words, I I can start. I, I would just say, read this for yourself. Don't just read it. Don't just listen to it, because we tell you to. But read this text. Go to Hebrews 6, within the context of what we've talked about today, and read it. Study it. Listen to sermons about it. Guys, because I'm telling you this, I've received a blessing from this today. And I, I, guarantee,
1: I guarantee you, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably feeling uplifted right now. You're probably feeling encouraged and motivated because you understand the task at hand. It does matter.
0: I mean, this helped, Absolutely. not only did my knowledge increase, but now this just helps me know that on my worst day, I'm still salt. Yeah. I still have it. And not only do I still have it, but instead of throwing a mope, or a whiny party because it's my worst day. I need to take advantage of the opportunity I've been given because one of these days I'm not going to be here no more. Really? I, listen, I got to I got to say this real quick and then I'll let y'all you know say you're fine. What you is know, it? I, I was listening actually to a podcast today and man, I'm telling you, what the Robertson clan—they've been tearing up John 11 with uh, Lazarus, right? And, and when I said one one of these days I won't be here, listen, I, this just blessed my socks. I'm telling you. When Jesus says he's not dead, he's sleeping. To God, when we die, we're not dead. We're just sleeping. sleeping. We're just sleeping. (laughs) And then he's going to renew us. He's going to wait, and we'll be with him forevermore. And I'm telling you, one of these days, I will fall asleep, but I'm going to wake up on the other side. And you want to know why? It's because that saw I I grabbed a hold of back in 2008, 2007. And I've been trying to fulfill the commandment of walking it the rest of my days so guys y'all have anything
1: nope god bless
0: god bless all right hey we'll see y'all next time